0: I'm walking all alone down my yellow brick
1: road and I'm to the beat of my own drum.
0: I got my pockets full. Welcome to Stacked Keys Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stackhouse, a podcast to feature women who are impressive in the work world or in raising a family or who have hobbies that can make us all be encouraged. Want to hear what makes these women passionate and get up in the morning, or what they wish that they'd known earlier in life? Grab your keys and stomp to your own drum. I am in Sanford, North Carolina, and with um, two of my favorite people. And as you are listening to this podcast, you can tell that I have a lot of favorite people. But many of them do come from my North Carolina roots. And I am with um, Carol Huber, and I am with Amy Huber Zebart. And um, they hold special places in my lives, in my life, they, and in my children's lives. So um, I'll give you a little background on that. Um, We were the Huber's next door neighbor and they still talk to us. So I I think we're good. Um, And then Amy was uh, in the group of my first babysitters. So if you like any of my children, Amy had a tremendous amount to do with who they are today. So if you don't like them, Amy had a lot to do with who they are today. so welcome thank
2: you thank you Good to see you
0: so Carol what are you doing these days
2: I'm retired after teaching and basically my life revolves around my grandchildren and when they're needed when I'm needed for childcare I've kind of committed my retirement to that and if Amy and Jason need me we're usually there
0: that's awesome Amy What are you doing these days?
1: So I'm a mom of three boys. Um, I am a nurse, and I work in a mother-baby unit. I also teach for a a community college, Um, part-time. I'm in the clinical setting, and I'm teaching. Oh, wow. Now you've traveled not
0: too far back. You went off for some education. So last year
1: I was in uh, Minnesota at... The mayo clinic when they went live with epic i was um hands-on in the hospital working um, with the nurses and the doctors um to help them go live with that that system okay what's epic so epic is a system that most a lot of hospitals use um and it's a way to communicate in between um different hospitals oh wow so well it's it's our charting system, but then if I go say to one hospital, they can pull up my records from another hospital, and they don't have to be in the same group. And they don't anymore. have to, like no. Mm-mm.
0: Some hospitals are all owned by the same. Correct. So it's not necessarily that. Right. That's awesome. And then you came back and did some. Then I came teaching back. Of what you yes. learned. Yes. Well,
1: so no, I'm. Um, I don't not really for Epic, but um the teaching is at the community college for the nursing program for an ADN program. Oh, wow. So You didn't know that.
0: No, I didn't. That's big.
1: I've done that eight months, about eight months. Wow. So So, I've enjoyed it. That's
0: pretty good to have your mom close by to help you out, be able to do some of those things. Um, So you, y'all are a very close family and, and on this podcast, we're talking to women who are, of kicking it out there of being a part of their community their families um, their careers and um and carol you were a career lady for years and years and years so what did you teach i taught business in high school uh, ninth yeah. through 12th grade wow and um do you think that that the skills that you taught at that point are some of the same skills that kids are still needing today, or have you seen an evolution of that? Definitely
2: not. I started out on, when they were using typewriters, and progressed to computers where each class, each student had a printer at their computer, and then, um, of course, then networked, and um, when I left, um, most of their keying, that we call uh, typing, is done digitally now, so I I would never be able to go back into a classroom and teach. Really? Really, never. I don't think the year after I left, I could have gone back. They were really switching over at that point. Oh, wow. So, um, and if it, it really changes fast. Yeah,
0: it does. Mm-hmm. Technology kind of takes off. but Right. But, I mean, you're still in a generation that does actively use technology. Exactly, but
2: using it and teaching it is uh, a little bit different because you have to really keep up with what business wants and what they're using and um, it's it's really fast so I could not go back to teaching yeah
0: well um, and it sounds like what you traded for is pretty fulfilling oh yes
2: yes I wouldn't give it up for anything I've loved every 14 years Wow
0: 14 and I, years
2: yeah, and Time our, my, our last our four-year-old or almost five-year-old starts full-time preschool so this is the first time that I haven't had at least a morning or a day that I was needed
0: so yeah yeah it's been that's wonderful yeah classroom experience do you have any memory that just is burned in your mind of of a, a success a failure a fear just when you started to when you finished that you might share with a A teacher that's walking into the classroom
2: I think seeing a student out especially high school because they don't let you know they appreciate much of anything you know they're not an elementary that runs up and gives you a hug and but most days you wonder if they even want to be in your class many days but seeing them out and saying um, Miss Huber thank you so much for making me do blah blah Well, I had a student that said, um, thank you for making me learn to type. It helps me so much in my note-taking. And I've had students say, I wish I'd listened to you when you told me if I plan to um, major in business to take accounting in high school because this is my third time in accounting in college. Oh, wow. And it is really hard. And I tried to let them know things that, they need outside the classroom, so it's nice to have that confirmed to you.
0: Oh, yes, I'm yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. A- and were there days in your career where you wanted to just oh. not even get your purse but walk out? Oh, yes, there were days. <laughs> and what stopped you from, from doing that, making the mass well, there, exit? There
2: are more better days than not, but um, Yes. Um, the day that the police came in and took a guy out of my room that had been arrested was being arrested for armed robbery was oh, kind of one of those, and I thought he could have had a gun in his pocket. Oh, that's but, a little nerve um, wracking yeah. there. But there
0: are definitely more better days than than not. So, attitude reset. Would you say that you? I know that we used to have some mornings, and I, as a young mom, would go out and walk with you and talk. And mm-hmm. so it, what's your morning reset? How do you face your day? What, when I was teaching. Out? When you were a oh. teacher. And then we'll jump to today.
2: Oh, well, um, I tried to remember, and I didn't do it every day. I'm human like everybody, but most of these students come to school with a home life that we could not even begin to fathom. And yet, I mean, they're hungry, they've heard yelling and screaming, and, and yet we expect them to walk in the classroom and be attentive and respectful. And a lot of students are not, um, that's not something that they experience at home. So I tried to remember that when their attitude got bad.
0: That's, that tugs your heart, and you're a sensitive mom, wife, mother, so how did you protect your heart?
2: Well, I think over the years, you just learn you have to separate from it. You can't just, I mean, I had two sisters who were absent one day, and I found out they had gone to court because they'd been sexually abused by their father. Um, so those are things that you just have to put aside because you can't live their lives. You know, you be as sensitive as you can, but you've still got a job to do.
0: What would you tell the the kids in the classroom? Bullying is such a big topic today, but you probably saw it then too.
2: Not, you know, I've been retired 14 years, so not that was not even in our vocabulary I don't think um, of course high school's a little different I think than middle and elementary right so um, I well, didn't
0: de- we didn't have social media that was so prevalent right 14 Definitely. years ago
2: right exactly
0: so, and then today how do you what, how does your as you're facing retirement and changing and I mean you've been retired 14 years so you have probably mm-hmm. got a pretty good pattern with it but you're facing <laughs> change again with the grandchildren right. um, stepping into their next mm-hmm. role how does reset feel all the time I mean is that it's, just part of life you get used to
2: I mean you don't think I don't really think about it I just
1: do it she's still on call and <laughs> uh, there you go she's you go. my backup she's your backup sick
0: kids which kind of gives Bad you days. freedom to right. do some of the things you do yes yeah, she's always on call she's she's great that it's nice to have that um and i'm gonna run down that path just a little bit amy um a lot of young adults want to just put the the bar down and um and not have
1: that relationship with their parents how did you make sure you had it i think my parents started it they they, you know raised us that family was important and it, it started from that but also, um what I do with my grandchildren is not
2: unusual for my generation. A lot of my friends are keeping their grandchildren. Um, I've kind of thought about it and wondered why. And a lot of people say, you know, I would not, uh, I didn't have my mom to do that. And I, said, I say, I didn't either, but I would have given anything to have had her to help me with my childcare. now mine was i didn't my mother was deceased but a lot of them their mothers worked and they just you know weren't available right. so i don't know if people are having children later we're retiring earlier but a lot of my friends are doing this this is not an unusual thing keeping yeah. their children
0: grandchildren
2: do you think it's
0: got it got well of course you're doing it so more pros than cons oh yes
2: Oh, 100%. I mean, yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, you know, we've not been around our parents um, really much at all, and especially since we went to Alabama. Um, But you guys were pseudo-grandparents for us being next door. So would you say, just from your perspective, because I know from my perspective I would say if you don't have that, you need to find it. If Mm -hmm. if any of my listeners are, are out there going, well, we aren't so fortunate, make it yourself. Mm -hmm. Would you see that from your perspective as well?
2: Um, Yeah, I guess I didn't think about it
0: with your children.
2: I mean, I didn't realize that's what we were doing. Um, But I think children need the next generation above their parents as examples of um, life.
0: Oh yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, I truly think that my children were part of your family because oh yeah, because they would start crying and Ron would run back (laughs) across. And so, so isn't that what a grandparent does? Yeah, oh, definitely. It's now your problem. I'm out of (laughs) here. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But but it's important, and I can go back and ask my children, and they can remember, you know, many Hmm. many experiences um, through the woods that that divided Hmm. us, and so. I... I think it, it does help mm-hmm. build who they are. Mm-hmm. And to miss that treasure with your own grandchildren, mm-hmm. I think, would be a, a, a sad oh, yeah. choice. Mm-hmm. So um, you, know, you guys had some challenges. And, Amy, we're going to come back and forth to you. Um, but, but um, Carol, you had some challenges with, um, with how your family may not have been your ideal picture mm-hmm. in your head. But, um, but tell me about your other children. Okay, I have a son,
2: Scott. He's 55, or will be 55. Um, I have a daughter, Anne Marie, who's just turned 50, will be 51 soon. Um, She was born developmentally delayed, they call it now. Um, We don't know why. Um, It just happened. Mm -hmm. Um, At the time she was born, it was she Society was just beginning to bring them out of the closet. Most, a lot of, every family has a disabled person mentally. Maybe immediate, maybe extended, maybe a generation back, but, um, but they were many times put in, just kept away from society. When we took her, she was four years old, and that's when we found out for sure. Uh, we had our suspicions, but um, we did not really suspect that she was as delayed as she was the psychiatrist we saw in a big university hospital suggested that we go home and find a a placement for her to put her in a uh, some kind of facility
0: mm-hmm.
2: well that was not going to happen and y'all did not do that oh heavens we never even thought about it right after that after him saying it she was As a young child, a leader, Anne Marie would have been class president in her school had she not had the delays that she had. Right. Older children followed her when she was younger until she got to, you get to an age where then those children begin to realize the differences of her. She can't read and she can't do some things. Until then, I mean, she was the vivacious leader and but anyway we went on to make the placements that we felt in the school system was best for her Um, after she graduated from high school um, her father especially was instrumental in starting a group at the first baptist church for persons with disabilities to come on wednesday night just like typical teenagers would go to um, he and another lady, and that's still going after 34, 35 years.
0: Yeah. And they blended into the services and yes. the congregation just... Accepts them and loves them and just... Yeah. They Those radiated. bridges were, were built exactly. before it was the mm-hmm. popular reaction. It's, yeah, right. Yes, that our
2: church is very accepting and loves them. She um now lives in a group home, um, and basically we did that because many times when persons with disabilities live at home and then something happens to their parents, right there is no place for them except a nursing home or maybe a facility that and there are some that you would not want your child to be in, right um, group homes or other kinds of facilities so when she got to a certain age we decided that it was um, in her best interest for us to find a place that we felt would be good for her good to her and she would you know have a have a family yeah
0: and that was hard for you
2: wasn't oh my it? goodness yes how'd you get through it <laughs> oh um many tears but just the support of our friends and our family and our church and and seeing her um, just kind of blossom yeah. and bloom. Yeah. She worked. Does she still she work? She still works, okay, not so as much. I remember much. her working. Yeah, she works being very at, proud. At, a, at a fast food. Um, unfortunately, only two hours, two days a week, but it's her job and it probably costs more to drive her there and pick, drive her back to pick her up than she earns, but... Yeah. it's her 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 job and she's she's trained many managers at that little restaurant we say oh that's fantastic
0: <laughs> all right what about um, and I know that there's there's been challenges and health challenges in finding the care and and just meeting but your resources were limited when you first started looking
2: We were very blessed, and right, well, she was eight when we moved to Sanford, and for some reason, Lee County, very little county that it is, small, smallest, one of the smallest in North Carolina, was very advanced in their, uh, what they had available for mentally handicapped, which is what they were called back then, and... uh, God has just put in place everything we've ever needed for her and if we had moved somewhere else there may not have been anything yeah. for her so he just has put us right where we need to be and she's benefited from his His doing that.
0: What would you tell that parent that just had a baby and the news comes to them that there's some challenges and what would you tell them to think or do? How do they pick themselves up?
2: Well, it, I guess, I don't know. I don't know what I would tell them. I don't. My reaction at the first, and we first found out, was grief. You have lost the child you thought you had. Right. There goes homecoming. There goes driving, the wedding, dating, um, those things. But it's filled with many, many other things and people i mean it's a It's a whole population of people that i we would not have met or known that are the most wonderful um, giving loving people that um, that I could ever have hoped to know, and I would not have known them otherwise
0: right so in having other children um, how how did you work that? I mean, I've I've never seen. I didn't know Scott as as well. Mm-hmm. I know who he is, but but there was never animosity that you saw out out in public. Um, how did you make that balance? Well, I think
2: Amy probably experienced some of that animosity because with her peer group, um, I mean, kids are kids i didn't know about it till recent years, really, that there had been some some challenges um as far as what kids may have said yeah i I have never really experienced it as far as anybody
0: to me personally yeah, what did you expect from Amy? Did you expect her to always let Ann win or? I kind of... Well, we... And there were know, two different perspectives to this, <laughs> I know. There was,
2: there was two, 10 years difference between Amy and Anne-Marie. And so there wasn't that kind of, um, uh, like, game kind of things or family things. I would say Anne-Marie probably resented Anne. I mean, yeah, Anne-Marie probably resented Amy more than Amy, Anne-Marie. It was hard for Anne when um, Amy started driving.
0: Yeah, Amy got to do
2: these things. It was hard for her when she got married, some of those things. But Amy has been the most supportive, and Scott, too, siblings that ever could be. And now her children, we're finding, are reflecting that. They're just Mm -hmm. very loving and understanding and accept Anne-Marie the way she is. Um, No questions asked, just... She's Aunt Ann.
0: Yeah. Um, well that that's tremendous and I know that um she has certainly blessed others and Anne Marie was a baby lover. Oh I mean yeah. she could not get her hands on a baby. She <laughs> still is. Really? <laughs> yeah. And um and it was nice because it um taught us to um to allow that. I mean you have a nervous mom going, mm-hmm. wait, she wants to and mm-hmm. it's like course she does mm-hmm. that's pure unfiltered love mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think that's probably what i saw so much from Anne. is just charge forward mm-hmm. love mm-hmm. so um, well carol i know you need to step away mm-hmm. um but um is there anything that we want to make sure that that you say i, I do have one question that i'll follow up but anything you could think of that you're like wow i really need to make sure i say that
2: not really i yeah, think you've Covered everything.
0: Well, I have a question. You have 24 hours of one superpower, just one, and just 24 hours. What would your superpower be?
2: Well, I mean, God, of course, is what leads us. Our family always has. My, I've been lately, lately, as in 10, 20 years, have been so thankful. Yeah, of my family, my generation before me, my parents, and their generation before you know them. God was always first. I bet I was in church when I was six weeks old. I'm sure I was, and have been ever since. Um,
0: so, so you already have a superpower. Yes. Don't really need a no. 24 hour one.
2: No, I mean I have one 24 hours, and that's God um, gets through it, gets us through everything.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate you joining us so very much. You're welcome. So, Amy, talk to me about growing up um, with two siblings and one who might sometimes get a little more attention because of having needs that maybe you didn't have. How did that impact you as a youngster, a teenager, and now as an
1: adult? So, as a child, and even though there's 10 years difference between me, um, she was like a playmate even though she was bigger as a child you don't really think about you know that someone's so much bigger than you but then as and I've also noticed it with my own children that you can kind of tell like Anne, Anne can read but her if if I would sit in her lap and say read me this book she couldn't read that book and so those were the times that I started noticing but yeah. that was my life so for me that it wasn't it wasn't a big deal. Um, sometimes I would, like, as I got older, and I know mom mentioned it earlier about stuff she found out later. You know, Ann and I went to different schools. Ann actually went to a um, school that was for special needs, um, and it still exists to this day, which is there are not very many schools like that. Right. But she would ride, and I went to school in the 80s, and so they called it the short bus. And so I one day, Ann and I were both getting off the bus at the same time, and the next time I got on the bus, um, a little girl in our neighborhood who was a year or so older than me, you know, talked about that. I mean, it wasn't a big deal to me because Anne went to school; that was the bus she went on. Right. I went to school. It's this is the your bus. I, yeah, that was what it was. I mean, I think I—I I don't remember really knowing that it was different until that was pointed out. So, because oh, wow. it was just. Our life that's that's what it was so so did you take on
0: protector role at that point or did you just pull in
1: i think i pulled in yeah because it was the first time that someone pointed out to me that's the first time i remember right like clearly remembering that so um and then after that you know i kind of would just i did take on the protector role i mean you, you know i was probably second or third grade when that happened the first time so as a seven eight year old you're going to have a different, but as I got older, you know, she's my sister. You're not going to talk like that about her. You know, I, I was right. more protective. You do things to kind of, um, like if you go to a restaurant and you know, she can't read the menu, you just say they have hamburgers, they have spaghetti, they have, you know, you help her read so that other people don't necessarily, you know, to help, help protect her.
0: Right. Less obvious of weight. You need help. Right. You just go ahead and make it natural conversation. Right. So is that what you would tell someone someone today who might be in your position of, whoa, wait, I have the sibling that might need a little help. How would you encourage that person?
1: I mean, I think it's like with anyone who has um, needs a little help. You're going to want them to just blend in and be a part of whatever's going on. You don't. I mean. If someone wears glasses, you don't point at them. Hey, you're wearing glasses. I mean, that was what you used to do. But, I mean. I was going to say,
0: me growing up, that was. I mean, you had the four eyes. You had the,
1: let me make fun
0: of you because there's something different. And um, it just, I don't know. That that happened. Probably still happens today to some extent. Um, But how do you cope with that? I mean, you see that. You've got three boys. Mm -hmm. And they range from 14 to. Four and a half. Four and a half. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Yeah, 14, 11, and four and a half.
0: So do you see how they have to cope and, and things they that They are, be-
1: and they, I see in them what I saw in myself. Um, they're very accepting. And when the when the kid, like my four and a half year old if she, he crawls up in Ann's lap. He doesn't know that she can't read. And we'll say, Ann can't read, but she can look at the pictures and tell you about the story. Because Ann can do that. Right. Or Ann can turn the picture, you know. We just don't make it a big deal. It's just what, you look at what they can do instead of what they can't do. And uh, that's and that's a big deal. Because there's a lot of things Ann can do. Um, and compared to the amount of things she can't do. So.
0: I know <clears throat> just from my memory, there were times that Ann was so amazingly proud of you. Mm-hmm. of your accomplishments things that you did so do you think some of her um things that she wasn't able to do she did vicariously enjoy through you
1: i never really thought about it but maybe yeah i mean you know i know when we got married mom mom talked about the things you know Anne couldn't drive and those things i didn't necessarily notice it that Anne was you know that, that it was upsetting to Anne. um but my mom did because she's a mom Right um, But when we got married I don't know that we did anything That I did anything specifically To kind of incl- include her But we were sensitive That this isn't something that she's going to have As a part of her life Yeah um, So
0: Now you married a super guy Yeah he's amazing I uh, mean just uh, uh, Jason is a, a great Husband, father Uh, teacher so he came into a family that um, was pretty well established in what they did 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 you have to bring him into that
1: or so jason is really he's he's but i don't i don't think i ever had to say to him I mean, I know at some point I had the conversation, you know, I have a sister um, who lives in a group home. and um, But I don't think that it was ever a big deal. I mean, he just has that natural ability to kind of just help, you know, come in. But he's also had to be a part of, if something happens to mom and dad, you know, even though Ann lives in a group home, there still needs to be someone there who makes sure that she's still taken care of, that makes sure that, you know, be an advocate for her and my brother and I will be that person um, until we, you know, one of us cannot do it. So, and he knows that, I mean, he, he knows that, you know, that if something happens to mom and dad that Anne will come home for Christmas and Ann will be part of our Thanksgiving, however that at some point in our life will look yeah. Um and he was just, you know, kind of accepting of that. But um, you know, I think that you have to think about who you're marrying and who that is a part of you, you know, they they have to love that part of you also. It's part of the
0: marriage list. Right. So, um anybody not make that cut. Well, of course there were people that didn't make that cut, but were there some that didn't That you dated along the way that you went, wait, this doesn't fit my family plan. This doesn't, this person is not walking the path that that I know I'm going. So, Jason and I were 21 when
1: we started dating. So, um, and there were a few guys, but I don't know that they would necessarily not have made the cut. I just don't know that that was on my list of questions that were important at the time. So, that that, list changes? I mean, at 16, you're thinking something different than what you're going to do when you mar- get married. All right, let's jump really fast okay.
0: into the before a boy shows up here that belongs to you. Of course, this one's young, so we can still talk about it. But in preparing your kids, your boys, what are some of the um, elements that you want to make sure you weave into their fabric when it
1: comes to dating? And So we're just getting to that point. Yeah. And we're still. My oldest one um, is not. He's very shy and to himself. So I think we'll be down the road a little further. My eleven-year-old, um, I laugh about and say, um, "He's not ready yet. You need to back off because we're working on molding him." Yeah. <laughs> he's a little. Still he's a. He's a little him. flirt. <laughs> so um but i mean i i think it's important and and i already like i as a mom of three boys you know uh, my sister-in-law said oh you'll never have a daughter you'll miss all these things and i jokingly say yeah but i'll always be the queen but Uh, i but i i also pray for my future daughter-in-laws um, because I feel like that's important. I want the, I, I don't have a daughter. And so I hope that one day that who they marry will be someone that is someone who can go into our family, who can, um, help feel that, that part of, um, being a, a daughter. Um, I know that my grandmother-in-law and my mother-in-law have worked, you know, they're, my husband's the only son, only grandson, and so they, like, say, this is my daughter, this is my granddaughter. When my grandmother-in-law introduces me, she says, this is my, this is my granddaughter. She married my grandson, but this is my granddaughter. Yeah. So, I pray for that. I pray that I, that the relationships that my sons find one day will be relationships that, you know, I can also be a part of, as far as, like, being a mother-in-law, so.
0: Well, it doesn't start the day they bring somebody home, right? I mean, that's that you've got a foundation, and um, we were talking earlier about the generations that you have been able to weave into to your life. Do Do you think that's part of your family plan?
1: I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I mom talks about that. So at work the other day, I was talking about. I set a date, of lunch date with my mom, and they said, Wow, that's amazing that you did that. And I said, Well, it's the first day since May that I'll be able to hang out. Like, I'll be husband and kid free because everybody's gone to school. Mm-hmm. My husband's a teacher. Um, and so it's important. I said, You know, we'll have that hour together that's just us. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. Sorry. That's all right. Well, it's just being within the generations and keeping that connection thriving so I feel like my mother has um instilled the importance of family to us you know she it, we always sat down to dinner together even in the rush of school and sports and all those things it, it was important to have a family dinner and so I have also tried to incorporate that into our family we don't do it every night but if we're there we try to always sit down as a family yeah that's kind of a trait gone for a lot mm-hmm. but
0: but Amy you have so many plates spinning you you def you've had career from day one so how do you find balance
1: um so calendars yeah <laughs> um I'm on my and actually talking about family my mother-in-law and my uh, mom both and my father help with the children and they kind of you know, now it'll be a little bit less But they would keep them, you know, so that we could go to work And and both my husband and I, you know, we work for the money Because you have to pay bills But we're also both, I mean, my husband's a teacher and I'm a nurse So we don't make a lot of money um, But we're passionate about what we do And sometimes when it's hard to go to work I, you know, because I'm leaving family And when you're a nurse, you're leaving your, you know, your away holidays um, But it's, but you just, you find a balance by making sure, especially as a nurse, you know, you work three twelves. So the other days that you're off, you can be a mom. Um, in August, I'm pestering the teachers. What are we doing in November and December? Because if, you, if we're having a field trip, I need to know about it because I already have my calendar until October. Or if we're having a party. So as a nurse, that's, it's, I can balance that out. Um, I also feel like I'm not the only parent to you. And so, um, but I feel like if I, if I didn't have Jason, you know, you, you find your social network and you find yeah. your, your, you, you, I always say it's raising a village. It takes, it takes the, it takes the village to raise the children and it's the village that helps make sure everything stays in place when yeah. I'm not there.
0: But you intentionally create your village. Absolutely. You don't take whatever flies by.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, but you've also been involved in.
0: Career-wise, you don't just go clock in as a nurse. I mean, you've done some leadership roles, some traveling, some, you know, furthering what you're doing. So, you you could take the easy route out. Why don't you?
1: Because I think as as for me, um, I wanted I need I need to I need a little bit more than just being a mom, and I find that fulfillment as a nurse and um one of the things i'm doing now is i'm teaching um and the reason that i did i like applied for the job was because i found when i was working that i love to have like to to help people who like nurses who are coming in Um, especially younger nurses because a lot of times as nurses you know they say nurses either young Um, but it's important to not do that it's important to make sure nurses feel comfortable when they're coming into the workforce wait did you just say nurses eat their young nurses eat their young meaning they're not nice to them oh. they feel like they feel like um kind of old school thought that um well it happened to me and so I need to make you feel uncomfortable and challenge you and make sure yeah it's it's, so a it's thing. like an initiation yeah mm-hmm ow yeah it's it is a thing and I think in the hospital, it, that part is, tra- is changing because we need each other. We need all the nurses we can get because um, the older nurses are g- retiring. Yeah. And, um, you There's know. There's a gap. Right. Of, uh, I'm going to go a little
0: different route. Um, and I want to talk about travel nurses and how that might impact you. Hello? Well, hello. Tell me your name. Oliver. Oliver. Wait. How? How? How does it? Like, does this? Like, does the voice go in here and then go all the way? It does. Now, I'm not exactly sure how, but it goes in the microphone you're talking in, goes through the cord, and comes into this little box. I don't hear. I don't hear your voice in here. Yeah, you can't hear it there. It's all inside that box. So how old are you Oliver? Four. You have to say it because they can't see. I'm four. You're four. And what's your whole name? Um, Oliver Lee. Oliver Lee. I love that name. So what have you been doing this morning? I'm playing sword fight. Wait just a second. Say that a little louder. Playing sword fights. Playing sword fights. Oh, how fun! Who won?
1: We, after we were playing for a sword fight, we were pretending we were fighting monsters. The monsters were the
0: bubbles. Oh, that's fun! I know. The monsters were bubbles. Well, I'm very glad to meet you. Me Thank too. you for joining us. Bye. Bye. All right, we took a little bit of a sidetrack break, and because we have such history together, we wind up talking about things that, you know, I'm sorry, but love you audience, there's just no way we're going to record, and um, now I want to jump back to what I think we were talking about before we paused, and that is travel nursing. I think that's kind of a a hot thing, I don't know if I see it, because I see more uh, uh, young people coming out into nursing and going that travel nursing, but you are not a travel nurse,
1: no, I'm not a travel nurse. But you've seen some come through, so what's your take on it? So when I was in Minnesota, I met a lot of nurses who were travel nurses, and I myself am not a travel nurse, but was kind of looking into it. This opportunity came to me that I could go um, and kind of travel a little bit, dabble in it a little bit without actually like committing to it. I was gone 21 days, but I met some amazing nurses that were yeah. there and a different part of nursing that when you're working in a hospital, you may not see. And so um, the the nurses that were there, uh, some of them were strike nurses. And a lot of um, nurses who are in hospitals don't like strike nurses. Okay, what's a strike nurse? So a strike nurse is someone who goes in um, when the hospital employee nurses strike. Basically, the hospital decides... That the, you know, the nurses, for whatever reason, maybe they're fighting for higher wages, better benefits. Maybe they're fighting for their nursing assistants or their secretaries to have better benefits. And um, it's unionized areas. Um, and then the nurse decides the the companies decide they're going to strike. They can't come to an agreement. Right. And so what they what the they do the hospitals then hire strike nurses. Um, and so while their nurses are out, the strike nurses come in. Well, a lot of times the hospital nurses are mad at those strike nurses for coming in, but um, the strike nurses are there to take care of the patients, and as a nurse, that's what's number one priority, is that we're there to take care of the patients, and I never, I kind of always sided with the hospital nurses, because I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, there's someone else taking your place, but the nurse, but the nurses that I met, In Minnesota, we're saying, these are not Minnesota nurses, this just happened to be where I was, um, we're saying, but we're there to fill your spot, to take care of the patients, because if we weren't there, there wouldn't be anybody there to take care of those patients, and they're still going to be there. Right. While you guys resolve your differences, and when you resolve your differences, we're leaving. We're not there to take your job. We're there to be there for the patient.
0: That's a really good perspective. It almost gives the nurse a little more power because they're not neglecting. Exactly. And so it seems
1: like it would kind of help the and I, process. And I think sometimes nurses don't see that uh, that other side. And since yeah. I'm a, a nurse that works in the South, I never, I'm never i not in a, in a union. Right. And so I never really understood what was going on. But I had great experiences listening and being educated on how travel nurses live. Yeah. It's a very different life. Yes, it is. And lots of people do it with families. You know, their husband or um, will work, you know, maybe they're a construction or carpenter, or maybe they work online and they'll get an R V, they'll take their family, their they homeschool their children. Um, then they're you know, the nurse goes to work and does their three days and then they get to explore while they're doing that. Yeah. Um
0: and it to me it's like, oh wow. You it's almost like military life. Yeah. You get to sample all kinds of culture across the the u.s. or wherever but one experience i had was when isaac had some heart issues and we we were in some of our medical situations and it seemed like the travel nurses brought a different perspective sometimes so would that be threatening as a nurse to you
1: so the experiences i've had with our travel nurses um they've been wonderful nurses and they're used to hopping in and out um and in general when when i have met them they were really good at um kind of blending in you so know they
0: really didn't have a badge that said, i didn't i'm a travel nurse right
1: yeah unless they told you you wouldn't know i mean the employees would know because you're not one right, of them right. um so but i you know i work at a small hospital it's a small hospital so we haven't had travel travel nurses aren't there a lot right um right. in our kind of cover it yeah all right what's your passion in nursing so i really like women's health i didn't realize that i would like women's health um and i like pediatric so I, i'm a mother baby nurse so i take care of moms and babies after delivery um that two to three or 24 hours to four days until they go home and i help um and when i worked as a night nurse um that was my favorite time it was not good for my body physically yeah. <laughs> and it was really hard on my family but as a nurse that was the best part best time i've had because wow. i was able, i was that person in the middle of the night when that mom was exhausted and i could say you know let me i have 20 minutes let me just hold this baby you close your eyes um I, i'm really i'm a really good nurture and can get the babies to sleep most of the time i mean that i'm i can do that and so i'm like let me hold your baby let me be that person that can be there for you because you're you're tired your husband's tired your significant other's tired um let me calm the baby for you or sometimes just like let me help you just be there in the middle of the night so that i can let's get the baby fed change maybe you guys can get a little bit of sleep um help especially for new moms um you know, first-time moms, it's it's really overwhelming. And so it's to be that person that's there in the middle of the night, I think we do a lot of good in the middle of the night that, you know, you don't really realize yeah. that patience that you will need as a new mom.
0: And a lot of times as a mom, you start to realize that the uh, nighttime, no matter what, if a child is sick, if, you know, anything is happening, newborn, nighttime is a lonely time and a frightening time for a new parent. Um, so, when you're, if you were to talk to somebody that is going in to deliver baby number one, what's your big advice that you Listen
1: just, to your nurses. Listen to your nurses. Your nurses have done lots of laboring. They are, and when if they ask you to do something, they're not trying to be mean. They're trying to help you get through and have deliver that baby safely. Give me an example, Amy. Um, so if they're asking you to turn one way or the other, they're doing that because they're wanting, they're trying to help you be safe. They're worried about whatever's going, they could be worried about whatever's going on. They know that getting in a different position might help you labor down and have a baby. Um, it'll, you know, it's just, they, they've done most of them have labor and delivery nurses they're very good at what they do and they really um i'm not saying most of them labor and delivery nurses are very good at what they do um and and they're passionate about it it takes a special nurse to be there for a patient at their most vulnerable state oh wow never really thought about that
0: so it's a labor of love exactly at the same time exactly so um is there anything career-wise that you would tell somebody? And there's so many career options, and people are talking now so much about you may not need to go to college. Well, if you're going to be a nurse, that's kind of a given you're going that path. What should somebody do as a young person, maybe high school, or, or even how do they get ready for career
1: so, you know, my son and I, who's fourteen, were just talking and he said, Mom, how did you know? I it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do. He said, How did you know what you you know, that you wanted to be a nurse? And I said, Well, first of all, I didn't really know that I wanted to be a nurse. I knew I wanted to do healthcare. Nursing was something that I, I like jokingly say I fell into. Um, but I didn't realize that I had such a passion for it. And so we were talking about for him and I said, You know, I knew I wanted to do healthcare and he said, Oh, well, I really like computers. I don't know that I don't know what I want to do in computers, but I say find what you're passionate about because you have to work a really long time. And if you don't love what you do, then you're going to regret every day that you have to go to work. Well, in healthcare, you can't really volunteer
0: that much. So, in some professions, you can go intern or go shadow. Are there opportunities so, like that? So or? when
1: I was so when I was younger, I actually volunteered in the hospital. I um, shadowed occupational therapists. I shadowed a physical therapist. Um, so there are opportunities as young people in healthcare um, that you can actually volunteer uh, and do. So even if you're not administering
0: something, correct? Um, even in in physical therapy or occupational physical therapy, you're seeing that patient which you've talked about so much throughout of them at a vulnerable point. So is that probably... See, I'm not sure I could be compassionate. I don't know. I've never tested it. So I guess by opportunities like that, you could discover if you indeed have that.
1: I I think that... So when you... (laughs) <laughs> dead yeah. Ends, dead um, well,
0: yeah i'm not sure about that because i can meet the needs of my own kids i could handle their you know i mean sometimes healthcare is gross and i don't know if i could handle the gross aspect of somebody that i didn't love or have a relationship with
1: so i as a nurse have discovered that i will touch anything as long as i'm wearing gloves there you go i also as a young nurse kind of or i worked as a nursing assistant first And, um, the gross stuff used to make me feel lightheaded and dizzy, but I a little bit feel you get a little calloused and kind of used to it. So I, I mean, desensitized, is that the right word? It's a better word. Desensitized to it. Um, because you realize that you're there for the patient and you're, there's no, if you're not there, then there's no one else there.
0: Yeah. And they don't like those moments either. Right.
1: And a lot of times with my patients, what I, you know, I'm, I work with young moms or uh, with women and they, you know, a lot of times it's the first time they've ever been in the hospital. First time they've had an IV. Right. First experience putting a patient gown on first, first time they've been in the first patient in the bed. And so they're very, a lot of times, very apologetic. I'm so sorry that I can't do this for myself. I'm so sorry. And I said, you know, this is, uh, this is what I'm here for. This is for a short period of time in your life. You know That's what we're here for. We're here to help you learn how to take care of yourself so that you can go home and be healthy and take care of your baby and be healthy. So
0: That's, that's pretty good. Um, all right,
1: let's jump
0: way back. You did help me a lot in, in bringing up my kids, and part of it was because I also worked some, um, traveled a lot. You went on a lot of trips with us, um, are there some, I'm going to put you so on the spot, are there some things, and you can be honest, that you went, wow, I'm just never doing that, that the, that the Stack Houses did?
1: Am I allowed to talk about everything? Yeah. So, mission trip. Oh, my word. Do we really
0: have to go there?
1: All right, go there. On the bus, there was a potty, a oh travel my potty.
0: Gosh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh. Go ahead, Amy.
1: You've got I'm, to tell them now that you've gone there. So three children, five and under. I'm thinking. Oh yeah. Five and under, right?
0: Yeah. They would have been.
1: New York City mission trip on a but on a church bus, and we were stopped. I'm not even sure which which uh, Brooklyn, Queens, somewhere, uh, was somewhere in the there traffic. Was no option. And the children needed to go to the bathroom, and there was nowhere to go. So we had a travel potty, and that's what they used. Well, yeah,
0: I thought you were going further.
1: Oh, further. Not
0: only did our not only did the children who were supposed to be using that potty use it.
1: There was we, one teenager there. A one
0: teenager whom we probably shouldn't name, but I will tag him in this podcast because he will know who it was. Um he went, "Hey, they've got that. I'll go use it." And we all just went uh
1: desperate times call for desperate measures. It
0: does well, how'd you feel about kids going on mission trips? Tom and I were very much involved in the youth, and we were very much involved in our children. And sometimes now I look at that and go, Whoa, we ask a lot of y'all for us to bring our kids along. And so, and you can be honest, and I'll forgive you later. But did that impact you in a way of going, Why are these kids here?
1: Well, I feel like. Um that it showed you that you could minister across the board, you know, even with little kids, that you could, you know, you could bring them along. It was a family adventure, um, for missions and that, you know, that wasn't gonna just because, um, children were a part of your life that you weren't going to leave them behind. Yeah. But it
0: it meant that we also had to have concessions for, needs you know of both the teenagers and the the youth i mean the youth and the children um but they did kind of just go along um well i thought you were going to go down the path of um we had a pretty um bad wreck in our church group Mm -hmm. and you were injured a lot of our kids were injured Mm -hmm. but you broke your femur right and um still went on mission trip oh that's right and you were in a wheelchair and your precious mother pushed that wheelchair (laughs) running (laughs) at various times through new
1: york which in 1996 was not very wheelchair accessible
0: no it wasn't it wasn't um but that was a challenge would you do it again i mean would you I mean, you didn't stop living at all with that that injury. So. I yeah.
1: I mean, I don't know that my mom would sign up to do that again, but I, it was like it you? was yeah. She's over
0: in the corner now, and so she's nodding her hair yet. Head, yes, she would.
1: Um, I you know, um, it was a good experience because it, it it made me realize you can do anything, even if with crutches and a wheelchair. Um, I think it had been a month after I had my car accident, so I was still still on crutches mostly and a wheelchair at some point, just cause you can only go on crutches for so long. Yeah. So, wow. That was, um, that was rough. Yeah.
0: But with it becomes part of the fabric of who you are. Right. Absolutely. Um, because that kind of haunted you a while. You had to go back and have surgery and have rods mm-hmm. yes. taken out. So what do you think you gained from that?
1: Um, I mean, I think it found my. It helped me find my passion, like healthcare. Um, I think it gave me a different pr- perspective as far as being a patient, what that patient feels like when they're in the bed. Um, I th- uh. That same. Yeah, that's how, I mean, those
0: are important <laughs> lessons, and uh, how else do you get them? Yeah, I mean, not that everybody has to walk a certain path to. To get them, but it's more of a taking what happens in your life and using it.
1: And those experiences mold who you are. So. So um, you
0: traveled with us a lot. I did. And as you helped me, did you see anything? Did you pull anything from helping me, mother, into how you're raising yours?
1: So the one thing that I can clearly remember experience is we went with Tom um, to D.C., And he was on a conference and I can remember sitting in the mall and we had um, a bag of a loaf of bread and peanut butter and jelly and we were just living life I mean you know Tom was doing his job but you took your family along and um, you used every moment that you had to be able to like help mold your children and give them experiences and so that's a that was a really good thing that I learned so, Amy, what do you mean by that I'm looking at finding
0: out what my dream goals and where I'm headed? What does that mean?
1: So, I'm trying to figure out where I want to be because, you know, where we are in our world, I kind of think I'll at least have to work 20 more years, probably 25. Um, and so, where do, I, where do I see myself in nursing um, is the one thing I'm trying to figure out. Uh I've been a bedside nurse. Oh, I've been in the hospital for 20 years. I've been a bedside nurse for 13. Um and so I kind of feel like I there's a I have a different calling, but I'm still trying to figure out where that calling is. Um which is one of the reasons why I started teaching. Um I do like I do like teaching, but I don't know if that's where I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm not sure I want to leave bedside nursing because the further away you get from bedside nursing, then you kind of don't have the patient care. And I am passionate about people and that part of nursing. So.
0: so you don't want to lose that, but right. yet grow. Right, exactly. Um, do you think that's important as a mother to show that there's a progression of growth? I mean, right now your kids are young, but for them to look back on your life, do you think that has any impact in parenting?
1: I think so. Um, I have definitely, as I've gone through school, they... My husband and I both, since we've had children, have gone back and gotten degrees, and um, I think it's good for our children to see that education is continual. That you you know you have a baseline, but then you're going to add to what you already know, to keep growing. So, and in this world, you have to keep growing because the world's ever changing. Definitely. So,
0: well, all right, you're both educators. You come from an educating educator family. Um, is college going to be an option for your voice?
1: I want to say college is definitely not an option. Um, I also feel that uh, as far as that, it doesn't matter what kind of degree you have, but that you need to have some, some sort of degree in this world. Um, You definitely need to, even if it's um, like a vocational degree, you have to have to do something. So, why would you say that? Um I just feel like it's important. I mean, we we I and my husband both have given been given lots of opportunities, and so we don't want to waste that time. We want yeah. them to and the, and we're, you know, we work really hard to also give our children those opportunities. So, I often tell my kids, "You don't have the
0: luxury of asking somebody to hold on a minute while you go get what it is that you might have needed, so if you're not prepared beforehand, now it may take a different route, or it may, uh, you know, take a little longer, or the pathway may not be straight. But if you need a degree for something you want to do, and you have to put somebody on hold for four years, that opportunity has already passed. So that was kind of ours, and and to me, it was discipline a bit. I mean. Have you found, you said, after you've had children, that changes the whole study discipline, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Finding your hours
0: at different Mm -hmm. times.
1: So That's the one thing about, you know, I'm thinking about going back to get my master's. It's how do I juggle all the things we have going on right now and go back to school? You know, do I am quite a bit older than I was when I went to school the first time. So, do I stay up late? Do I, you know, how do you make sure you're present and there, and account of, you know, a- available to your children for, you know, for those times?
0: We're going to wrap up soon, but I do want to touch on mommy guilt.
1: Okay. Have
0: you experienced
1: mommy guilt?
0: Absolutely. What do you do with it?
1: Um. Well, one thing that I've just recently had, so when I went to Minnesota and was gone for 21 days, um, I flew there. So I just recently took my husband to the airport with my youngest son, and when I was driving to the airport, he said to me, Mommy, do you remember that time we took you to the airport and you didn't co- come home for a really long time? I thought I didn't have a mommy. Oh. So it is kind of sad, but I also feel like it's all, it, it's showing him that I can leave and I'm still coming back. Um, but you know, we all, you, you kind of have to live life and then let your children know that we're still going to be there. Um, sometimes we have, sometimes we're not both going to be there, you know, for every event, but we try to be there. So what would you tell that
0: young mom? I mean, you're, Sometimes you've got moms that are coming into your care that are first-time moms. Sometimes it's second, third, fourth, child. Do you ever talk mommy guilt in the middle of the night with them?
1: One of the things I have learned is that I feel like one philosophy I kind of live by is that um, I, do, I make the best choices I can make With the knowledge that I have at the time and try to look back and say, if I could have done this, if I could have done that, but you can't live life like that. And that helps you kind of let go of the mommy guilt a little bit because you only, you can only make choices by what you know at that time. That's
0: true. That's a very good, what a great day we've had and it's kind of progressed. And so we've talked and, and interrupted a little bit here and there, but that's life. And um, have so enjoyed it Thank you very much For being a part Do have one question for you You knew it was coming um, One day 24 hours One superpower What and why?
1: I should have thought about this A little bit more yeah, When you, you asked had my mom I've had, I've had several hours Yeah Um, It's interesting We were on a youth trip And it was about Avengers versus um Marvel. Sorry, I'm a mom of boys, but sometimes I get all mixed up and they asked, what would you want to be? And, um, I jokingly said I would want to be Hulk wow. <laughs> because sometimes when you're a mom of three boys, you just want to Hulk smash everything, <laughs> 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 which sounds crazy. But, um, no, I think that, um, I would want to be, um, I don't even know. What superpower and why? Sorry, Isaac <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, you know, the, the, when you talk about superpowers, and you know they're short-lived and they're not, not real, but they can help us look into different aspects that would, would bring out a strength. So maybe think of it that way. What in your job and your family, what, what superpower would help you? specifically in those two roles?
1: So if I'm not talking about superhero, but just a superpower in general, I would say probably like an organization fairy to just come in and organize my whole house and make it all pretty clean, put everything where it needs to be so that I can function a little bit better.
0: There you go. You have 24 hours. 24 go hours.
1: For Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: I appreciate it and best of luck to you. I'm walking all
1: To the beat of my own drum I got my pockets full of dreams And they're busting at the seams Going boom, boom, boom
0: to Find Stacked song. Keys Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes Or anywhere you get your favorite podcast listen You'll laugh out loud, cry a little And find yourself encouraged Join us for casual conversation that leads itself based on where we take it from family to philosophy to work to meal prep toward beautifully surviving life.